0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to Radio Free Asgard. This is episode number 358. We're a proud member of the Comics Podcast Network and the only Thor podcast hosted by a true descendant of Odin. My name is Tom Harris, and the show is coming at you, as always, from beautiful Chicago, Illinois, where it is snowy today. Uh, yeah, it's a kind of a, a wintry day. We've actually had chilly weather for the last few, and uh, today is rather more chilly than most, and we've got uh, a little bit of snow on the ground, and just thankfully I haven't needed to go out in it. Anyway, we're going to be continuing on for the next few weeks uh, with the 1973 issues of Thor. It's mainly because, you know, I've been kind of jumping from one story arc to another story arc, and here we've got a bunch of one-and-dones and and a couple little, you know, two-parters and that kind of thing. So probably for the next, uh, you know, four or five weeks. We're going to be covering stuff from this era before moving back along to something a bit more recent than this. But anyway, not a lot of of news here at the top of the show. I know Manuel doesn't like when I say there's no Thor news. There's all kinds of news kind of sneaking out from Taika Waititi and this uh, you know Love and Thunder movie that's coming. We're going to get the girl Thor in the movies and they're promising that this is going to be even crazier than Ragnarok and the, the whole idea it, it kind of makes me uneasy because you know you all know how I feel about Ragnarok and how parts of it I loved and parts of it I really hated And I'm just it's it's one of those things I've got a real mixed bag of feelings about so rather than talk about this when the the dribs and drabs creep out i'm just not going to talk about it i want to keep an open mind i want this movie to be good but i don't have a lot of confidence i guess we'll just see what happens so i, I guess that's my final word on that and and as we get closer if, if there is news then i'll hopefully i'll be be aware of it enough to uh to report it here Anyway, uh, we're going to uh, cover an issue of Thor this week so let's go ahead and move along to our review. Across the rainbow bridge, guard, Where the booming you And this week we are covering The Mighty Thor number 208. Cover date is February 1973. Cover price 20 cents. Cover art is by Gil Kane, inked by Frank Giacoya. Shows Thor and he's fighting this weird character on the cover. This guy has a light blue skin on one side and sort of Pink skin on the other. He's got uh, half of his costume is it's got kind of a split down the middle. Half of it is red, half of it is blue, and then he's got the sort of cowl, hood, shoulder pad thingy that's that's uh, a bright yellow. And he's punching Thor and has uh, frozen. You can see that that he has frozen his arm. uh So he's you know, kind of reeling back with the hammer, but his arm is frozen. He's got a fiery fist, Allah. Uh, iron fist and he's kind of swinging at him and he says when my left hand touches you you freeze and when my right hand connects even a thunder god can die by fire god of thunder versus mercurio the man from the death dimension and we open up to the splash page where we have the credits jerry conway was the scripter john busama was the artist vince coletta was the inker Charlotte Jeter is the letterer, Stan Goldberg is the colorist, and Roy Thomas is the editor. Splash page shows Thor, and he's flying through the air, and he's got Hildegard grabbed onto his arm, and that's actually a nice uh, a nice splash. It's We'll talk about the art at the end like we always do, but it's a little sketchy again. We're going to have a lot of the same comments. They're flying over New York, and... Um, yeah, Hildegard is grabbing onto uh, Thor's arm. The title of the story is The Fourth Dimensional Man. High over Manhattan, they fly like great wingless eagles in the autumn sky. They are silent, these exiled Asgardians, silent with a grief too deep to bring into mere mortal words. And so they do not even attempt speech, but suffer quietly in a more noble style. And uh, they come landing on the a building top, and it says, within moments, they have covered the concrete-coated length of the island burrow and dropped to a gentle landing on a familiar east side roof. The townhouse mansion, which houses a world-famous band of adventurers called the Avengers, of whom the most powerful is Thor, Thor, god of thunder. Thy thoughts, my lord, says Hildegard. The blackest I have ever known, Hildegard. Yea, and the most bitter as well. And the alarm is going off and waking up Jarvis, and we see Jarvis in the darkened uh, rooms below. And he's thinking to himself, The alarms. Someone's on the roof. Someone who hasn't activated the passage code. It's after 4 a.m., the perfect time for an unexpected assault, I should think. And Yet, I don't think so. There are no sounds of heavy machinery, no tremors. Still, I can't ignore my duties. I have certain responsibilities to my employers, after all. The hall monitor will tell me what I need to know. And he uh, puts on a a robe, and he goes over and touches a button on this sort of monitor TV-type thing, and it turns on, and an image of Thor and Hildegard appear on the screen, and Jarvis says, or is thinking to himself, Ah, it's Master Thor and the goddess called Hildegard. They must be returning from their excursion to Vermont in the search of the absorbing man, which indeed they are. Mm, That's odd. The lady Sif was with them when they left a few hours ago. Could she have remained in the town of Rutland on some personal mission? Ah, well, it's not my place to question, only to serve. And Jarvis gets up and he goes to like a sitting room and there are Thor and Hildegard and they're there. A smile curves his lips, and he begins to speak to offer the Asgardians tea, when suddenly uh, Thor is yelling at him and uh, is being very nasty. He says, I say thee be silent, mortal. I have no patience with thine endless, mindless prattling. If we do have need of thee, we shall summon thee. But until that time doth come, be gone. Yes, sir, of course. I'm sorry. Sorry to have disturbed you. So very sorry, sir. And he goes scampering off. Hildegard does not like what she has just seen one bit. And she comes up and grabs Thor by the cape. And she's like, Wait, my lord, I would have words with thee. Tis no greatly noble thing to suffer. Tis known to God and man, to rich and poor alike. Thou thinkest thyself a special case, a private case. And because of it thou hast greatly injured a man who meant thee no harm, who thought only thy good. And thus is a far better and more noble man than thee. And she goes docking off and leaves Thor to, uh, to whine in, in peace. <laughs> and it says, uh, For several long and thoughtful seconds, the goblin called Thor stands staring, swept with heated guilt. And then he sits, his mind to swirl, and gradually he falls asleep. And we get a recap in the form of Thor's dream of the various things that have gone on over the last few issues. He dreams of many things, of his battle against the creature called Ego Prime, and we see a picture of Ego Prime here, of his discovery of Odin's master plan to create a new race of gods using Ego's near limitless power, using it at Earth's expense. And I, he remembers this in his dream. He remembers his father's anger when the god of thunder rejected his cosmic scheme. He remembers the exile to Earth mighty Odin condemned him to, together with his unrepentant friends. He remembers his battle with Crusher Creel, the absorbing man, and his subsequent meeting with his half-brother, Loki. He remembers it all, and most of all, he remembers Sif. This doesn't seem so much like a dream as it does him just remembering. <laughs> anyway, uh, we we have images of all the people kind of surrounding Thor as he thinks of them, and we've got you know, the Warriors Three and Sif and Carnilla and Baldur who aren't even mentioned in the uh, in the text, uh, the Absorbing Man, and yeah. Uh, so basically kind of everybody surrounding him. Sif, who traded Thor's life for her allegiance to Carnilla the Norn Queen. Sif, who begged Carnilla to aid the Thunder God in his struggle against Loki. Sif, his beloved, who abandoned him, who... And Thor wakes up and says out loud, I see now how I did blame myself for my lady's dire decision, knowing twas I who had failed her by proving too weak to win against Loki alone. "'and my anger, and yea, my guilt. "'I did wallow in self-pity. "'And at last, I truly know what I must do.'" And uh, we cut to the kitchen, and Thor comes and enters the, uh, the kitchen, and, and Jarvis is there. For once, he's not wearing a tie, which looks really odd. Yeah, this Jarvis in, in his pajamas with a robe on, I guess. "'Oh, Master Thor, I hope I haven't awakened you, sir. "'I was merely setting breakfast. "'Fear not, my friend.'" I have not come to reprimand thee, but rather to beg thy forgiveness. I had no right to act as I did. It was a madness, but it is over now. Think nothing of it, sir. I'm sure I've quite forgotten. And we shift scenes, and we are back at the office of Donald Blake, M.D. Remember, we left off here with things kind of unsettled, where we have Don Blake, and remember his office had been barred off by the new landlord, Mr. Saron. And so anyway, um, we're, we're back in the building and Mr. Saron, we see, is walking into the building and he is going to enter Don Blake's office. And the doorman says, morning, Mr. Saron. Good morning, Lewis. I'm going up to Dr. Blake's office. Please see to it that I'm not disturbed. You're the boss, Mr. Saron. And Saron <laughs> is thinking to himself, quite true, you abysmal incompetent. I am indeed the boss. And soon, very soon, I shall be more than the mere owner of this overpriced office building. I shall be the owner of this pathetic planet as well. And he enters into uh, Don Blake's office using a key. And he says, uh, ah, Blake's private office. The emanation should be very strong here. More than strong enough for the needs of this dimensional oscillator. And he has this Kirby gadget that he sets on the table. And it's glowing, it says, already it glows, as though with a life of its own, which in a way no self important earthling could ever hope to understand, it does indeed possess. And there's a, uh, like a portal opening up, like, and it says, a, a rind, uh, the, the like the rind of an overripe fruit, in the very fabric of space seems to peel back, revealing a cold and pervading darkness. And so there's like, yeah, so like a portal opening up and a bunch of uh, faux Kirby space. A blackness unlike the normal black of interstellar space. A darkness somehow hideously alive. His face composed, Carl seren watches as the myriad galaxies rush toward him until one massive planet grows ever larger. And uh, we see a, a planet he's he's watching. I guess this is... In a way, it's kind of like a cosmic scope, but it, it's almost weird. It's kind of like a rift thing. It's really not very clear what this is. But anyway, he go, he's uh, watching a planet, and there's these weird people in a robe and cape and hood kind of things and very Jumbisema-ish futuristic buildings. It says here, uh, uh, the massive planet grows ever larger and finally fills the gaping tear in space. It's an odd world. The sky is a brilliant white. The stars pitch black, because that is a thing. And when the view shifts and touches on a particular humanoid form, the ultimate difference becomes clear. For the creature's skin is a pure, unreflecting black. Though it is reflecting light, (laughs) because we see highlights on it. Anyway, uh, it's um, speaking some sort of weird hieroglyphic language that can't really be made out yeah it's a sort of nonsense uh, language and saran says normal one i no longer comprehend the high speech my translation to this earthling's body is complete including the assimilation of his language i see mercurio most interesting very well i will speak this thing you call english time grows short mercurio since we planted your mind in the body of this saran creature Our world has grown weaker. We need the electromagnetic field of Earth more than ever. And thus the success of your mission is our only hope for survival. Do not fail us, Mercurio. Use the oscillator you have built and charged. In the name of Gramos, use it well. And uh, the the portal closes as uh, Saron is pointing his little beam thingy at it. Why he had to do this in Dr. Blake's office, I'm really not sure. But anyway, he's thinking to himself, And so I shall, noble one. In the past months, the oscillator has absorbed the basic energies in this room, energies imparted by Dr. Donald Blake during his transformations into the godling Thor. And he says out loud, Energies which now shall aid my own transformation, a transformation which will return me to my natural state and make me once again the fourth dimensional man. And he points the beam at himself and it uh, basically is shooting him uh, and he changes into the character we saw on the cover. Though he doesn't have the bright yellow uh, shoulder pad hood thingy like he had on the cover. It's actually white. So, and actually the the character looks significantly different than he did on the cover. But anyway, so he, he realizes something is wrong and he's like, no, something's happened. Something's gone wrong. The power's fading. The transformation stopped. Ah, maybe that's why he uh, doesn't have the yellow hood thing. But it cannot stop now. I'm only partially transformed. It must continue. It must. But no further change occurs, says the caption. And after several increasing frustrating attempts, the creature called Mercurio comes to a cold and grim decision. We shall learn of that decision in a moment. But well, for now, we must return to the God of Thunder, and we shift scenes. and uh, Thor is standing on top of a building, kind of looking out over the city. Uh, it's actually standing on top of Avengers Mansion. And uh, a ship arrives. It's this uh, craft, hovercraft thing that, that the Warriors Three had borrowed to go camping. And they, out, they, they fly to uh, the Avengers Mansion, and they land, and Thor is there to greet them. And he says, Fandral, Hogan, Volstagg. Thou hast at last returned from thy sojourn, and yet I see not brave Baldr among thee. Be he within? Nay, my lord, says Fandral. Baldr journeys now at his own direction. We thought to ease his pain-swelled heart by taking the short vacation, but his soul would not be lightened. Still he dreams of dark Carnilla, and wanders alone to exorcise that dream. Then Thor must journey also, for until Carnilla and Baldr are reunited, Sif must remain her willing slave.' This must never be, he shouts, and he whips his hammer around, and he goes taken off, and he's flying through New York City, and uh, uh, he's going to his office, apparently, and it says he rises through the smog the sky. He heads west towards the park centrally located on the granite-rooted isle, and then, passing a familiar building near the Hudson Shore, he feels a sudden chill and drops to a gray stone ledge. The office of Doctor Donald Blake, my earthly alter ego. He says, "But what brings me here? Why do I feel this somber apprehension?" Eh? A light, and he decides to go in the office. And uh, Mercurio is in there. By Odin silver mane, stinking Thor. The furniture doth seem to glow and pulsate with an arcane warmth. Matter of madness is this. And there is a loud hissing noise. Hiss! It says, as Mercurio reaches out with his hand. He grabs Thor's shoulder. And burns it uh, with, yeah, because the right hand is fire and the left hand is ice, I believe. And it leaves a big old burn on the door's shoulder, and he gets knocked back. And he's like, Heimdall's eyes! My shoulder doth seethe with living fire. That's right, Thunder God, says Mercurio. Fire! Living fire. A heat born of molecular reactions within one half of this humanoid form. A form straining to reach fulfillment and finding only a futile agony, the agony of only partial existence. Fire in my left hand, and in my right, ice. And he grabs Thor's other shoulder with his right hand, and freezes it. (laughs) And uh, it's, for some reason, that's horribly painful to Thor. And Thor says, thou dost mutter stark insanities. I know not the meaning for this mad attack, nor doth meaning matter. For once struck, Thor doth strike and turn. Excellent, says Mercurio. You'll make my task easier, Thunder God. Easier than you know. And Thor starts whipping his hammer around, and he says, That I doubt, stranger, but tis a worry of little import. In a moment thou shalt speak, and tell me of the purpose of this foul assault. So shall mystic Mjolnir strike, so shalt thou fall. And he tries to whap him with the hammer, and hits him with a whash. It freezes the hammer and his lower arm. And <laughs> Thor is very alarmed by this. And he says, By the peaks of High Olympus, hand and hammer, frozen alike by some sinister sorcery. Never have I felt such boundless power. Uh, even more than the destroyer or Odin? I don't think so. Anyway, And feel some more, Asgardian, and know power you fight is truly your own. And he goes swiping at him with his right hand, but... Thor manages to dodge this. And he says, The the power you fight is truly your own. And Thor says, How can this be? You doth seek to confuse me, stranger. Not true, Thor. Behind the riddle lies a simple truth, energy drawn from the things you've touched. That energy has brought me to your world, or rather, partly to your world. And only by absorbing the full power in your godling's frame may I complete my halted transformation. And to do that, you must die and he goes reaching out with his uh his right arm there are some big coloring issues with this issue uh keeping the 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 character of the uh, fourth dimensional man consistent and i don't know if that's deliberate but there yeah there's a lot going on here that that's not right anyway he goes swiping at, at Thor, but misses, but it hits the wall, and so it says a moment's pressure, the squeal of protesting stone and steel, and even as the startled Thor stumbles back, the outside wall, crystallized, it is madness, gross madness, but it sends Thor flying out the window and uh, falling down towards the street, and the voice coming from above, No, Thunder God, merely a science beyond your superstitious mentality, a science of magicians, tricks to seem." But Thor doth have tricks of his own, and he, he catches himself uh, before he falls to, uh, to the ground, and Mercurio is just kind of floating down from above, uh, or he's climbing down the building like Spider-Man. It's kind of hard to tell. But anyway, he uh, says, A most ingenious move, Asgardian. Your hammer has properties previously hidden, or merely unused. We each have our own modes of transportation. You, your hammer, and I, the thermal currents. The powers in conflict within me are awesome godling, and only their delicate balance holds them in check. A balance that I may upset at any moment, like this. And he takes his right hand, and he hits the ground with it, and uh, the ground is on fire. And because Thor has to speak the obvious, he says, thy lightest touch doth ignite the sidewalk concrete, surrounding me with a circle of eager flame. How observant of you, Thor. Now I suppose you'll attempt more wizardy... More wizardy? Wizardry, I think he means. With that mallet of yours? A futile ploy, my friend. I shall soon learn, most painfully. I think not, stranger. Tis thou who will learn why Thor is truly god of thunder. And he's whipping his hammer around, and it starts bucketing down rain like, like crazy. He puts out the fire. And there's people running around, and there's a, there's a cop, and he's on a payphone. and or, Actually, it's not a payphone. It looks like one of those emergency phones that used to be on the street. But anyway, um, so the guy's running by the police officer, and he's saying, "'Officer, you gotta do something. It's that guy Thor and some other creep. They're busting up the entire street. I'll get right back to you, Sarge. Something crazy's going on up here, and I'm gonna find out what.' And the cop goes, and he approaches Thor. He shouts out to him, "'Hey, you, Blondie. Yeah, you, mister. I don't know just who you think you are, fella.' "'But nobody cuts up on McHenry's beat. You understand me?' "'Keep thee back, mortal,' says Thor. "'Tis not a place for thee.' "'Not a place for—' "'Look, Buster, I may be new to this burg, but one thing I do know. "'No one talks that way to a cop. Not you or some clown in a Halloween costume. "'I'm taking both of you in now.' "'On the contrary, my friend,' says Mercurio, "'you're remaining where you are, as you are— Courtesy of the fourth dimensional man and he reaches out with his left hand and he touches the cop with his finger, and freezes the cop solid, and and there's a chink sound effect. Thor says, Demon, what hast thou done with him? I merely used him as a model, Thunder God. A model I like not the sound of that. Nor are you meant to, says Mercurio. I said you couldn't defeat me as guardian, and I sincerely meant that. Unless you surrender yourself to me immediately, I will freeze every living creature in this city. And you cannot stop me. No one can. And we shift scenes and we are back at the Avengers Mansion and the Warriors 3. And they come across the, I guess, the monitor room, whatever that that is in the Avengers Mansion. And the vision is there. and, And the vision apparently is looking kind of gloomy. And Fandral says... "'Ho, Vision, by thy countenance thou dost need cheering. "'What troubles thee, friend?' "'Nothing, Fandral. You see boredom, not grief.' "'Boredom! Ah, yea, verily, I understand. "'Tis thy turn to study on monitor, "'and the work doth hold little interest for thee. "'Tell me, can this machine view more distant scenes, "'such as far-off Asgard?' "'Perhaps, perhaps,' says Vision, and he touches a button." And, uh, uh, yeah, apparently the monitor can see all the way to Asgard. How weird. Anyway, android fingers touch silver buttons, twist golden dials. A pulsating invisible beam reaches skyward to a spinning orbital satellite, which extends, in turn, its own questioning beam to the distant land known by some as the Realm Eternal. And, yeah, so they're spying on Asgard here, and Fandral says, "'Tis a fine device. A fine device, indeed. Yay." And so they're uh, looking at Asgard. But um, we don't really know what they're seeing because they don't show it. And it says here, for one moment more, the godling called Fandral stares at the image on the screen. Then his head bows, his eyes close, and a gloved hand moves to change the painful scene. And we shift scenes to another view uh, on the monitor, which is the battle between Thor and Mercurio. And the vision says, my apologies, friend. "'I had no idea the view would so affect you. "'But wait, it seems your friend Thor has difficulties of his own.' "'And so the warriors three see this, and Hogan says, "'Enough of this self-pity. "'We see our duty queer before us, Fandral. Yea, a tooty plain and more, a tooty pleasant, "'as are all which claim the work of a moving sword.' Ho, yonder cab shall prove provident, which is weird because just uh, literally a half second before they were in uh, the monitor room and now they're on the street, so apparently the monitor room is on the street. I think that it's just sloppy storytelling, myself. But anyway, there's a taxi there and they're trying to hail it down, and uh, and Federal says, "Ho, yonder cab shall prove provident, if its rider does stop," says Hogan. What? And slow, it's gained momentum. Just needless, when we've legs to leap with, and Fandrell leaps onto the back of the, uh, or the front, actually, of this uh, taxi cab, and they leap on top of it, and they they lean in, and um, uh, he's telling the, uh, the cabbie, to the west, my friend, and spare thee no effort. Sure, sure thing, pal, anything you say. And Oscar, who's the name of the cab driver, is thinking to himself, Oscar, tomorrow you go back to the Bronx and the taxi cab takes off while uh, the Warriors three are all standing and sitting on top of it, and it, it goes uh, you know, peeling away, and there's a cop uh, reaching out like to stop them, but they're ignoring it, and they go through, and it says uh, they go westward across the city and through the park and out near the sign of booming battle. And so they reach uh, where Thor and Mercurio are, and they jump off the cab. It says, with a cry of rage, the Asgardian warriors leap forward, their eyes glint with the anticipation of battle. And without further warning, they charge. No slogans do they cry, no echoes of noble purpose, no shouts of, for Odin, for Asgard. These are men without a country, all too aware of how their lives have been cast adrift. And so they battle, and for the moment do not notice that the thunder god is gone, so the thunder god is cool, No sooner have they arrived that he has slipped away, as though he felt it safe now that others had come to battle. Silently he drives upward, and as silently lands seven blocks downtown, the hammer pulls back, paws, thrusts, and Thor is the god of thunder no more. So he, yeah, he lands in the alleyway, bangs his hammer on the ground, and he changes back into Donald Blake while the warriors three are left to fight Mercurio by themselves. You know, it's interesting because uh, how do they know that he's a bad guy? So Thor is uh, thinking, he's thinking to himself, I don't have much time. I've got to make certain, dead certain I'm right. Although though Thor knows the extent of heaven and earth, and Dr. Donald Blake knows the physical form of man, What I need could be beyond both of our capabilities. And in that case, the thunder god may be doomed. So he's at a library or something, and he goes in, and he's uh, looking into books in the the stacks. And uh, we shift back briefly to the scene of uh, the Warriors 3. It says, the minutes pass quickly, become 30. And when five more have been swept aside into the current of battle, um, we we return to the fight. And and is going, Hogan! And uh, that's because Hogan has had his right arm frozen by Mercurio uh, and his mace, too. Apparently, your friend found my first touch too cold. Perhaps my left hand can reverse the damage of the right, though I fear the sudden heat may produce a completely undesirable effect, possibly even death. And Fandral is not happy about this. He's like, monster, you will cause no further agony. And he goes swiping at his sword but his sword melts as it as it approaches mercurio you delude yourself friend the balance of the forces within me protects me from outward harm but no such balance protects you and thus you will die unless the thunder god returns and submits at once uh, we shift to thor and he is already on his way back uh, having found what he needs to find in the library and Thor is, is coming back and he's holding a giant steel girder, a uh, giant I-beam, and uh, he's uh, kind of throwing it down in front of, uh, of Mercurio. And Mercurio's confused by this even. He says, A construction girder? What game is this, Asgardian? Has the strain of battle snapped your mind? Nay, villain, says Thor, but for the first time, my thoughts are clear. And he blasts the uh, girder with his hammer. And he is melting it with his his lightning, or with, you know, heat from the hammer. And he uh, it's like this rain of, of molten iron uh, raining down on Mercurio. And uh, Mercurio's saying, "'Your hammer, blasting, melting that girder! "'No! I see your plan, this iron rain coating me like a second skin, "'the forces within me trapped, contained. Thunder God, do you realize what you've done?' By destroying me, you also destroy my world. And he is gone. So basically he gets covered in iron and, and is dissolved. And Thor, Thor is there and they're all kind of standing around. And, uh, Hogan says,
1: it was the most powerful magic,
0: my lord. Nay, merely a potent use of science, Hogan. The balance of forces of terrible heat or violent cold. It was a precarious one, and one most easily contained by a conducting metal, such as the iron in that girder. Without release, the forces built within him, ultimately consuming him, as other forces consume us all, forces such as boundless bitterness and the pain of seeming betrayal. Next issue, The Search for Sif, and that is The Mighty Thor, number 208, and we'll be talking all about this right after this message. Star Trek Comic Books Mythology Video Games Toys Star Wars Just about any geeky topic you can think of could be covered on The Hammer Podcast presented by Two True Freaks Come join me Gene Hendricks for whatever my disjointed mental processes can come up with and be careful or you might just learn something before we're done The Hammer Podcast is available monthly both on its own iTunes feed and at 2TrueFreaks.com And we're back. So I can't help but thinking that there might be a little bit more to this story because otherwise Thor just committed genocide. <laughs> um, doomed an entire planet to destruction. Um, we really don't get a lot else here and I'm assuming that they come back to it at some point. I-, I will say, despite the problems of the story, I think it's actually stronger than the last few issues that we've had. Um, the story by and large is vaguely compelling. I mean, obviously this is not the greatest era of Thor comics, and it kind of suffers from the same thing that a lot of other early 70s Marvel comics suffered from. But at the same time, I think it's more interestingly told than another similar story of this type might be. That being said, Mercurio is kind of a dumb character, and his power is kind of stupid. It's sort of okay so you have extreme cold on one hand you've got extreme heat on the other hand and you could see the this word this might be a problem as far as you know creating a lot of steam i would think that would be a a major problem which we didn't see here uh and also the you know okay the shock of heat shock of cold shock of heat yeah i mean i can see why that could be a problem but is that really a thor level villain and I'm thinking no. I'm thinking that this is more a character that might be suited as a, a Spider-Man villain or a Daredevil villain. You know, it, not somebody on the cosmic scale that you would have, you know, Asgardian God should have no trouble with this guy. And, you know, and again, you, you could have, Superman would, you know, be done with this guy in like five seconds. He'd wrap him, wrap him up in, in a steel ball and that would be the end of it. So... Yeah, not the greatest Thor villain of all time, but I think with the right with the right character, it could be interesting. It's just not interesting in this case. We do have the return of the Warriors 3 in this issue, though not really a satisfying return. And they just kind of come back, and they're all very blasé about the fact that Baldur has gone off on his own. I guess there really isn't anything that they could do about that, but they kind of leave it hanging. And, of course, I know that that's going to come back later, so that, that's okay. Do have this weird scene where the Avengers cosmic voyeuroscope, whatever, is able to hone in on Asgard? No, no, it's not. No, just no. That's that's dumb, uh, and it's very poorly thought out. Obviously, Tony Stark doesn't have like floating TV cameras all around Asgard. This isn't magic. So you have to basically keep things within the realm of scientific. This just doesn't fly for me at all. I would say that the art is another little bit of a step up from the prior issues. It is still sketchy. It is still very much bucema layouts and then Coletta finishes, and there still are a lot of backgrounds and things missing. However, there are backgrounds in the issue, and there are some very particular pages that, that actually really look good. Um, we do have, I've you know, a couple of issues I've noticed that we have Don Perlin coming in to do the the finishes on on Buscema's pencil. So I guess we'll see how that works out as far as this goes. I'm I'm very curious, and I don't know. I've never seen any of the original art for these, but it would be really interesting to see how the original pencils looked, the original Busemann layouts, because. We're gonna like I said, we're gonna have other people coming in and finishing B. pencil. So I guess we'll probably see what would be a better approximation. You can't really rely on uh on Coletta not erasing stuff that he doesn't want to ink or doesn't have time to ink. So I guess we'll see what happens. But but yeah, it's it's okay. The art's fine. Um the vision looks looks properly doer, as they as they mention in the text. The Jarvis Exchange I can see why they did it. You know, it's sort of like, well, Thor's being an asshole and then he realizes he's being an asshole and he has to apologize. But, of course, you know, Busema is very consistent on his Avengers, very consistent on the way that that Jarvis is drawn. You know, because Jarvis often looks like a different person depending on who's drawing him. And that's something that has always been a problem. Some people draw him like kind of short and stout. So others draw him as kind of tall and skinny. Busema I think, kind of has the, the medium here. And I think that's kind of the model for Jarvis. I, I kind of view him as maybe a little bit stockier than the way that, that Busema portrays him here. But that's okay. I, you know, it's, Again, it's a, it's a minor inconsistency that you can just really chalk down to artistic license. So ultimately, it's not a horrible issue, and it's also not a great issue. It's kind of firmly there in the middle of where a lot of early seventy Marvel comics are. So it is what it is, and, and it's fine. So, all right. If you'd like to reach out to us and let us know what you think of this story or any of the other episodes, feel free to reach out to us by emailing radiofreeasgard at gmail.com. You can also join our Facebook group. Just look for Radio Free Asgard there and you'll find us. We would love to hear from you. And with that, I am back over the Rainbow Bridge back to Midgard, and we'll see you next time here on Radio Free Asgard. Radio Free Asgard is copyright Tom Harris USA Productions, which is totally responsible for its content. The characters, stories, and situations presented on this program are copyright their respective copyright holders and are presented for entertainment, review, and educational purposes only. No ownership is implied. We make no money from this podcast and the contents are believed to be covered under fair use. If you like what you've heard on today's program, we'd appreciate it if you leave us an iTunes review, send us an email with your feedback, tell your friends if you have any, or annoy your coworkers with our incoherent ramblings and silly voices. Thanks once again for listening to Radio Free Asgard.